The City of Lakeland strives to provide transparency for our residents with the goal of having an informed and engaged citizenry. Views shared by those interviewed are not necessarily the views and beliefs of the City of Lakeland as a government entity. This is Listen Lakeland, the show that keeps you up to date on all things happening in and around the Lakeland area. Here's your chance to plan your family activities and learn more about what your city government and your neighbors are doing to make Lakeland a great place to live, work, and play. Good morning. Thank you for joining us for the December edition of the Listen Lakeland Radio Show, a show highlighting people, places, activities, and organizations that make our community an exceptional place to call home. I'm Kyle Fedler with Lakeland Vision, and today's show will feature two individuals from Florida Southern College whose programs are having, or at least will have, a positive impact on the larger Lakeland community. So our first set of guests today are part of the exciting new Doctor of Physical Therapy program at Florida Southern College, and I will let them introduce themselves. I'm Nancy Nuzzo. I'm the Dean and the Director of the program. And I'm Prisca Collins, and I am the Director of Community Engagement. So maybe we can just start by, you know, can you tell us a little bit about yourselves and what drew you to this program here in Lakeland, Florida? So um, I came, actually, I had developed a program previously in Fargo, North Dakota, and um, had the opportunity to come here and expand what I started in North Dakota, especially in the community aspect of the program. So excited to be here, and um, we're just getting ready to start um, applications for the Doctor of Physical Therapy program. And I came here too to join Dr. Nuzo for this exciting opportunity to start this uh, new program at FSC. And I appreciated this opportunity because it was an opportunity for me to utilize my academic experience and my expertise in community engaged uh, physical therapy. So, um, can either one of you tell us kind of why did the school decide to start this program that trains physical therapists? So, in any starting of any type of physical therapy program, there needs to be a thorough needs assessment. And FSC administration did that and found that there was a need for physical therapists in the community. In addition, there is a need um, for underserved population in. Yeah, yeah, especially with Paul County, I uh, found that the demand for PT was greatest in Paul County. Right now, there is only two physical therapy assistant programs here in Paul County, and there is no doctor of physical therapy program, which is the entry-level degree for people to be licensed as physical therapists in the area. So, uh, so can you tell our audience a little bit about the program, uh, what, what goes into making a physical therapist? So a couple of things that we looked at, um, like Dr. Collins said, we are a doctor of physical therapy program, and there's two other physical therapy assistant programs in Polk County. However, there's physical therapy programs both in Orlando and in Tampa. So we wanted our program to stand apart from all the other programs in the state. And so one thing that we did is our program is shorter than most of the other programs. Our program is two and a half years, where all the other programs are three years. Um, This is attractive because once people come in, they can get their education and they're out. 
um, they also will have a jump on the job um, opportunities for physical therapists. Um, the other thing is that we are a traditional face-to-face -face program. So we have seven of our eight um, core faculty that we're going to have. We're going to have a small program where we have 36 students, so there will be ample opportunity for students to interact with faculty. Mm -hmm. In addition, um, what we did in North Dakota is we um, had the students interacting in the community. And in talking with Dr. Collins, one of the things that we wanted to do was really grow that. And so we were able to do that by um, bringing in community partners. Mm -hmm. Yes, and this community partnership actually is very critical considering the fact that our program is, um, like Dr. Nuzo said, is a little bit shorter than the other programs. So being out there having these community sites where our students can go to, it actually helps um, our students, it enhances the learning process because our students are are able to go out whatever they learn in the classroom they're then able to go out in the community and and put it to practice so this is a very unique part to of our program in the sense that generally um, PT programs they do provide uh, volunteer services but generally they will provide them like they'll have like a pro bono clinic on mm -hmm. site but with us we we are partnering with four community organizations here within uh, the city of Lakeland to provide volunteer services. And, also, and these four organizations include um, VISTE, which is Volunteers in Serving the Elderly, and Lakeland Volunteers in Medicine, and then we are also partnering with Florida Baptist Children's Homes, and also another clinic in Haines City uh, called Parkview Medical Clinic. What these uh, clinics provide for our students are uh, a diverse population of people who are traditionally not fully served by the, you know, the health system, especially when it comes to PT services. And so, and our students are going to be able to see clients in these community organizations across the lifespan. For example, at Florida Baptist Children's Homes, they're seeing, they're gonna be seeing single moms and their children. And then uh, this day, we're seeing um, elderly 65 years and above. And then the other two organizations, LVIM and Parkview Medical Center, they just provide services to the general adult, adult population. And this is very critical um, in the training of physical therapists for them to be able to actually work with this whole spectrum of populations because PTs work with children from infants all the way to you know the elderly 65 plus. And so it'll be great for our students to actually have the opportunity to do hands-on activities in the community with the populations across the spectrum. And part of the advantages of the community is that it allows the students to, to practice their skills in a non-intimidating environment before they actually go out to the clinical settings where they do their clinical practicums. So it allows them um, the opportunity that by the time they go out to their clinical practicum, they are very confident, especially when it comes to inter 
interpersonal skills and communication. They know how to communicate with clients and they feel more comfortable with interacting with people because they've been doing it in the community. So when they go to the clinic and now they are working with clients who are very sick in the hospital and things like that, they will be more comfortable. So this is like a win-win situation because not only are our students benefiting, they are providing essential services to these clients in the community. And yep. the community is benefiting. Yeah. And our hope is, our vision is, is that when the students graduate, they will give back to the community. community it will too. be like part of their profession is to give back to the community. And so they won't stop that community work. Dr. College, you mentioned that, that this prepares them for their clinical practicums. Mm -hmm. uh, can you tell us a little bit about what that is? Uh, um, are, are these partners that we have in the community, how does that work? So the, uh, the clinical practicum, so as part of our curriculum, we have 36 weeks of clinical placements where our students will be going to different clinics like Lakeland Regional Hospital and Watson Clinic to, um, as part of their practicum. And so we call them practicum, and for example, in medical school, they call it internships. Okay. Yeah. So, so this, the community um, component is separate from the clinical practicum. And this is also part of what um, our physical therapy profession calls integrated clinical education experiences. So we call them ICE. And so they're integrated within the program versus the, you know, practicum, practicums that are like at the end of their didactic work. So have, have the two of you found that the community has been uh, open to taking uh, these students? In we, we have. We have found that the community, not only the, the community partners, but all the physical therapy clinics, mm -hmm. um, we not only have um, clinical practicum set up with um, Lakeland Regional Hospital and Watson Clinic, but all the private practices in the area mm -hmm. too. So um, both our clinical partners and our community partners have been yes. very, very accepting and are really looking forward to um, even taking part in some functions within our program. Yeah, we actually had an event where we, you know, we brought all our, you know, we invited all these uh, clinicians in the area earlier on last April, and we actually had about 42, you know, physical therapists from the area who came to participate in that, and they all greatly expressed, you know, their excitement to be able to be taking our students, and this is very That's a real good. service that they're yes. providing, mm -hmm. uh, uh, yes. and many of them who are physical therapists probably experienced uh, the clinical yeah. uh, yes. experience. And so is this program going to be housed on, on Florida Southern's campus? Um, where is it going to be located? So um, right now there is a building in process being built uh, about a half a mile from the school, um, from the main campus. It's on Florida South, and it is between Frank Lloyd Wright Way and, and Gray City Church. Oh, so mm -hmm. right, right there in the heart of Dixie Land. Yes, yes. So. yes. Mm -hmm. uh, and right on um, Florida South. Mm -hmm. So how could, uh, if people want to find a little bit more about either being a physical therapist or about the program, uh, how could they find out more? So I think the best way to do it is to um, go to our website. Our website is um, very friendly and that um, all the information is there, our prerequisites are there. Um, also, our, we have every month the admissions program at Florida Southern runs a um, session 
where people can come and talk directly to one of our physical therapists, one of our faculty, mm -hmm. and get more information. Yeah. So that's for either students or people in the community who are just interested and want to find out how they could uh, partner with you, um, either uh, clinics or just community partners. Yes, yeah. So if you go to the website, for example, find the, um, you know, there'll be a link there. If you're a student and just looking for information, uh, you can fill in your information there. And our contact person for admissions is Dr. Alex Suyufi, and you'll find his information there. But if you are also just, you know, looking at a community member and you are looking maybe, you know, to hear more about our community partnerships and or just the program as a whole, Dr. Nancy Nusso is our dean and uh, program director and Priska Collins, the director of community engaged. And if you are a clinician and really interested in clinical education and partnering with us that way, we have Dr. Christine Morgan, who is our Director of Clinical Education. The other thing is, is that um, all these um, clinical or all the neighborhood or the community partnerships that we have, all the students will be under the direct supervision of one of the faculty. Yes. So the other thing that we're looking for is other clinicians out there who would want yes. to participate in that. So yes. again, if you, if you are a physical therapist and would like to work with us yep. and volunteer your services, um, <laughs> contact Dr. Collins. Mm -hmm. One of the things we just want to emphasize is that FSC being a small private college and with us having a small class of 36 students, if you are looking for that kind of personalized kind of education where you have a lot of one-on-one -on -one with your faculty members, we are your program. <laughs> And that's 36 per class. Yeah, 36 so, per class. And you yeah. said it's a two and a half year program, so yes. you're looking at about 100 students uh, in the program. For, for students entering the program, um, what credentials do they have to have? So they have to come in with a bachelor's degree. There are certain courses that they have to have, to have taken, um, and they have to have a 3.0 grade point average, um, mm -hmm. and we also are looking at GRE scores. So they have to have an undergraduate degree. Is it, mm -hmm. they have to have it in a certain field? or They do not. Okay. We can be in any field. So. Okay. Well, I want to thank uh, Dr. Nancy Nuzo and Dr. Prisca Collins for joining us today for Listen Lakeland. And if you have any questions, uh, you've been directed to go to the Florida Southern College website and just uh, hit search and uh, Dr. Physical Therapy, and you'll get lots of information there. So I want to thank our guests again. Thank you. This is Listen Lakeland. The show that keeps you up to date on all things happening in and around the Lakeland area. Good morning. Thank you for joining us for the December edition of the Listen Lakeland Radio Show, a show highlighting people, places, activities, and organizations that make our community an exceptional place to call home. I'm Kyle Fedler with Lakeland Vision. Uh, today's show will feature two individuals from Florida Southern College whose programs are having a positive impact on the larger Lakeland community. Today's first guest is Dr. Alex Rich, art history professor, director of the Center for Art History and Museum Studies, and curator and director of galleries and exhibits at Polk Museum of Art at Florida Southern College. Dr. Rich has come to discuss the exciting new partnership between the Polk Museum and Florida Southern. Before we get started with that, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Dr. Rich? Hi, thanks for having me, Kyle. Um, 
I am a native New Yorker, which is the way I often lead my story about how I made my way to Lakeland, but I was born and bred on Manhattan Island, and especially given my career, I grew up immersed in the art world. So um, I actually grew up on 82nd Street, which is a straight shot to the Metropolitan Museum of Art, and my earliest memories in life are going to the Met. Um, so I came from New York, I went to Dartmouth College undergrad, came back to New York for my graduate degree at NYU at the Institute of Fine Arts, and then made my way happily to Lakeland, and I'm on my fifth year on faculty now at Florida Southern. Well, I'm sure you're a great addition to the college and to the community. Uh, so welcome to the South. Thanks a lot. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about this partnership. Uh, that uh, How long has it been going on? What's it about? And how does it work? So I guess we are just about a year and five months or so into the new partnership between the Polk Museum of Art and Florida Southern College. We officially affiliated in June of 2017. So the Polk Museum of Art became the Polk Museum of Art at Florida Southern College and therefore became an academic museum. And importantly, that as an academic museum, it means it's an academic museum, certainly for Florida Southern College, but more importantly, for the entire community. And one of our major goals is to make that a centerpiece of our culture in the community, of learning about arts in the community, and raising certainly the intellectual heft of what people can experience when they come to the museum. That's great. So what, um, why was the museum interested in this partnership? What, what are they getting out of it or did they envision getting out of it? I think there were a lot of advantages for the museum and for the college, as we can discuss. Certainly for the museum, um, we have the backing of a college, which adds a certain cachet mm -hmm. to any college. Most, or not most, but many major colleges and universities in the country have a college museum. And so being affiliated with some sort of an, an educational institution can make the museum itself seem certainly more inviting to folks, can certainly make people think that they're going to learn a lot more on a higher level than they have before. We also bring in expertise from other fields. We have a new fundraiser who came in with the affiliation. Um, I came in with the affiliation as an art historian and now as the curator at the museum. Certainly more money was brought into the museum for, with the backing of the college. And so we are just able to do more and more at the museum because of this connection now with the college. Uh, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, I heard that there were some donations to the museum as a result of this affiliation. Can you talk a little about that? Yeah. In addition to already just more money coming from the college to begin with, one of the major donations that came along with the affiliation was the addition of about 500 plus works of art to the already existing collection of the museum, which is about 2,500 objects. So the new works are centered on the subject of American figurative art, and they are gifts arranged by an alum of Florida Southern College named uh, William Meek. He was class of 72, and he is now the emeritus director of the oldest gallery in Florida selling American works of art. So the permanent collection of the Polk Museum covers everything from art of the ancient Americas all the way through to contemporary art, but now we have a niche focus, and these are works of art that are owned by Florida Southern College, but housed at the museum on American figurative art, meaning they have to have some semblance of a human being within them. And so that is not exclusively what we will be collecting moving forward, but it is an area that makes us unique in the world. There is no other museum whose collecting focus or primary collecting strength is American figurative art, which is really exciting. So it's a bit of a calling card for us now. So it's not necessarily just portraits. Uh, it's no, variety. not at all. In fact, I mean, there could be like, we, we joke, you could have like a fingernail in the painting. You could have a little <laughs> sylph-like figure appearing. So absolutely not portraits. We have portraits in there, but anything with some little hint of a figure will fall into that specific topic. 
Wonderful. So, and so let's go to the other side of the uh, the partnership. What have been some of the benefits you've seen so far? Uh, you've got your feet in both worlds. Uh, what have been some benefits so far for the uh, for the college, for the students, for for the staff and faculty? Yeah, it, it's been fun straddling the line between both the college and the museum. I run around a lot between both institutions, <laughs> but for us, it's really really important in terms of both the art programs, but also more expansively what we can do across all disciplines and areas at the college. Um, I can speak. First, to the art history side of it, as an art history professor, I can spend all day, every day, teaching in a classroom, projecting slides on a wall, but there's no experience like that of seeing actual works of art. So having an academic museum and a museum where I'm actually able to determine the exhibition calendar and curate shows is great because then we can enhance the actual coursework, both for art history students and all art department students. More broadly and expansively, and I think also even more excitingly for us as a college, is the idea of integrating art across all fields and disciplines, figuring out ways for anybody in any sort of field or department, so in communication or in biology or in chemistry uh, or in English or in um Really, I mean, I, we, it's fun to even think about you know, how would you get mathematics to be able to use the museum to make people realize that art is not some sort of siloed entity unto itself, but actually art and visual culture can tap into every other field of interest. So the idea of drawing more students in, involving more faculty, involving administrators, running symposia, new programs, the museum ideally becomes part of the campus that is inextricable from every other part of the campus. Yeah, that sounds exciting. I've, I've certainly seen uh, presentations by historians, by uh, people in religious studies, uh, in fact, and people in mathematics about perspective yep. uh, and uh, the many aspects that go into to the art world. So that, that, sounds, uh, that sounds like a wonderful possibility. So um, what about for the – are patrons going to see a difference? Have they already seen a difference? Um, I think from day one, patrons have seen, a di- uh, have seen a difference, and it's been really rewarding to us. We are a fairly small staff, and we all have – our own niches and nobody can function without everyone else. I'm the curator. I can come up with concepts and theses for shows, but nothing's going to work unless we work with the fundraisers and the marketers and the executive team and the preparators. So for all of us who are working really hard to make the museum better than it's ever been, it's been very rewarding. And the response from the public has really shown this. From day one, as I was saying, we relaunched as the Polk Museum of Art at Florida Southern College with a Rembrandt's Academy show. That was 16 old master works of art that came in from The Hague. Never, ever before have works like that come into Polk County, let alone Lakeland or the Polk Museum. So with our exhibitions in particular, which are the most obvious way you can see a difference just walking through the doors of the museum, um, we've brought in, again, Rembrandt's Academy. We've had a Renoir show. We have Goya and Picasso. We have a Chagall show that is up right now. You already see that we are bringing in world-class art and also making our own exhibitions that also show off our academic side. It's really fun to be able to create brand new shows out of masterworks and of master artists. So that's the most obvious way that we've impacted it. But also new programs have really changed. We've involved members of the public in coming into new lectures and NEA-supported grant symposia. Uh, We have new nighttime events. We have new film series. So the list goes on and on. We have expanded majorly just in a year and a half. I can't even believe it's only been a year and a half. 
So tell me a little bit more about the film series. Is that open to? Is that just Florida Southern College students? That open to everyone? So it was. It's a. It's a program that is sponsored by Florida Southern College, and it's actually organized by two of our communication professors. Um, but that is open to the public. It's every fourth Saturday of the month, and these are independent and arts-related films. And because sometimes people are looking for more to do in Lakeland, um, and so this provides an event every fourth Saturday of the month at six p.m. You can come see a movie, and then it's not just watching a movie as you might at the Cobb Theater. This is going and then hearing a talkback as well, where faculty and others, even directors that make the films, they'll come and they'll have discussions about the filmmaking process and with the audience. So it is this extra, this extra academic or intellectual side to watching movies and learning about filmmaking. So that's one of our major new programs that we added. We also now expanded the museum to have after hours. So the museum has never been open at night before, but now every first Thursday of the month, the museum will stay open all day from 10 to 8 p.m. And on each of those nights at 6 p.m., I'll be giving a curator talk. So People can wander the museum, enjoy themselves after work if they are working during the day and have not been able to come to the museum easily before. They can now come at nighttime, wander, see the exhibitions, but also get a walkthrough of the exhibition. Um, so it sounds like the has, has the mission of the of the museum changed? Uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's been around about 50 years or so, and it's always been a kind of educationally driven, and I think it began as a children's museum. Absolutely. Um, has that mission changed? No, the museum was founded in 1966, um, and it has always been a huge part of our community. And I think any museum is always going to be educational at its root. Mm-hmm. And our mission has always been to bring art to the community, but also to use it as an educational source to learn more about the making of art, to learn about the history of art, to learn about the artists, learn about the world of museums as well, which is another highlight of this uh, affiliation too. But the idea is we are sticking with everything about the museum, everything it's always been, everything it stood for, but now just making it much better, making things bigger, making things, I think for me, especially as a professor, making thing, making people think more as they're coming through the doors. I want people to enjoy the art, but also to come away, wow, I've learned something I never, ever knew about those artists before, about that style of art before. And one of your titles is uh, the director of the Center for Art History and Museum Studies. What is what is Museum Studies for those of us? So Museum Studies is an important offshoot of art history in one way. If we're talking about what you might be able to do with an art history degree, some people wonder, well, if there's a joke often in academia, right? What can you do with an English degree? What can you do with an art history degree? You can do lots of things with any degrees to determine what you're doing professionally in your life anyway. But if you're interested in applying a degree like that, you might go off and become a curator. You might go work in a museum. But more broadly, museum studies is all about all different fields of people coming from, again, history, as you mentioned, or religion, as we mentioned, or anything you might do, communication, you might want to end up working in a museum. A museum is a business. It's a nonprofit enterprise. So while we also have a great business program at Florida Southern, we really hope to be able to integrate that and offer the idea of having business students realize there's a world, there's the for-profit world, but also nonprofit businesses are really important too. So museums function as a, our museum functions as a small business, but um, we really want to teach people about the curatorial processes, we want to teach people about the fundraising processes, how you market a museum, um, how you hang shows, how you care for collections. It's a whole world unto itself, and we're opening it up finally. And so we're really excited about what this means for everyone on campus and especially for our arts programs. Yeah, I think that would be important. Many of us walk into uh, an, an exhibit and never think about what it all took to get those uh, pictures hung on the wall or the, you know, or the sculptures uh, presented in a particular way. 
Wonderful. Well, I know that the museum has always depended on wonderful volunteers. We have a great paid staff, I'm sure, down there. But uh, are there volunteer opportunities that uh, people could take advantage of uh, now if they're interested in, in participating in this exciting new venture? Definitely. There are lots of volunteer opportunities. Um, for somebody who wants to volunteer for an internship, there's always lots of options with that in all different departments, from education to curatorial to marketing. Um, for other volunteers who are older members of the community especially, we are always looking for new docents, um, and we always like to breathe new blood into the docent program. So that's one great opportunity. You can volunteer for Mayfair, speaking of which. So we actually, if you go to our website, in addition to be able to look up all of our events, look up all of our programming coming up, you can actually apply to become a, a volunteer in any number of areas if you go to polkmuseumofart.org. Um, well, speaking of what's coming up, well, what, what, what does the future hold? Uh, you, uh, new exhibits coming up, new projects or programs coming on? Yeah, I mean, I, it, it's fun because we now are working out on a calendar that takes us out to about 2022, which is really exciting. And being the curator, it, it's fun. I, I hold on to a lot of secrets about what's coming up, so I can reveal some. I wish I could tell everything, but we need to tease it out over time. <laughs> but um, right now, we have another month left on our Chagall Stories into Dreams show, um, which is amazing. Um, it's one show I put together and it's fun because Chagall is one of those best, name, best, best known artist names in the entire 20th century. So that'll be up through January 7th. And then launching this coming month, um, this month actually in December, we are opening up a Degas show. So most everyone has heard of Edgar Degas and that's going to be a big show that will be up through March. Uh, that will be followed by an illuminated manuscript show and a show called Inside the Master Studios, which is these artist dioramas, uh, dioramas of artists in their studios. And then next summer, we'll have an American Impressionism show. And then out in the future, we will have a Toulouse-Lautrec show um, and yeah, lot, lot, lots of others. Well, it's wonderful. I know that uh, as, as just an amateur artist, uh, if I recognize the name, they must be big names. So, so those are wonderful opportunities that are, you know, our community doesn't have to go over to Tampa or Orlando or up to uh, New York to see. Uh, I think it's just really, really wonderful that uh, we're having this level of art come into Polk County. And it's free. And it, yeah. So the museum is always free. So really, there's no excuse. If you have time, come. And actually, it's great because we have generous sponsors who underwrite admission to the museum. So it's free every single day of the week. And while you can become a member of the museum for a pretty not steep price, you can actually come for pretty cheaply to become a member as well, then you get extra admission to member openings and other events. But Basically, everything is open every day to the public, um, and you can come in and enjoy all of our exhibitions. Well, I know as, as a member myself, I get lots of uh, mailings uh, telling me about upcoming events and lots of educational information, so I do think it's it's valuable. It's not too expensive to become a member. And uh, So I just want to thank, uh, thank you, Alex. Uh, thank you for joining us today um, on Listen Lakeland, and I want to wish you and your colleagues at the college and the museum the best of luck in the coming years with this uh, exciting new partnership. Thanks very much, Kyle. Okay, thanks. Listen Lakeland is brought to you as a collaborative project between Lakeland Vision, the City of Lakeland, and Hall Communications, truly a community working together to provide an exceptional quality of life.